Why don't you get on your feet with me this morning? Let's pray together. Come on, why don't you stand with me? Slap that person next to you and say, come on, let's pray together. <laughs> let's agree. The Bible says if two or three of you touch, agree and touch anything, it'll be done. Come on. Father, we're, we're touching. We're agreeing together. We're, Lord, right now for awakening in the Great Lakes region, Lord, for your awakening in our region, in this area. Lord, let your light shine. Lord, in this dark region, Lord, in the darkness, in the days in which we live, let your light shine, Jesus. Lord, you're raising up Celebration Church. Lord, you're raising up this house, these people, Father, raising them up with the radiance, with the glory of the Lord. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the radiance of, of the Father, Lord, that's shining on us. Lord, let it radiate in this city. Let it radiate in this region, Lord. Hallelujah. Use us for your glory. Use us for your glory, Lord. Open up the blinded eyes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray for those lost friends, those lost family members. Lord, we call those lost family members back. Lord, the seeds that have been sown, the truth of the word that's been planted in their heart. Lord, that you bring them back. And Jesus, come on, I want you to pray with me. Come on, call out your lost family right now. If you've got lost family members, let's agree right now. Father, in Jesus' name, call out their name. Lord, we thank you for for Sue and John and David, Lord, all the names, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for souls, souls, Lord, the salvation of their homes. As for you and your household, as for me and my household, we shall be saved. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you believe it this morning, say amen. Amen, amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Matthew chapter 6. Let me see your Bibles this morning. Come on, wave them at me. You got your Bible, your device. Wave them at me. It's good to see your Bibles. If you're taking notes, get your notes ready. We're going to continue on this morning with our Kingdom Living series. I've been having a great time since January. We've been in this since January together, and I've been enjoying this series. I hope you have. If you haven't, if you've missed a, a sermon, if you missed one of the messages, you can go on our website, and click sermons at the top, and then all of the messages are there. You can find uh, right in one place the sermon title. You click on the button, and it'll show you the video, the audio, the discussion guides, everything's right there, so you can use that for your personal study and your small groups, wherever, um, so use that. Amen. Last week, we took a, a look at living in the light, being children of the light. You have a light. Well, I'm glad one of you agree. You have been given a light. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Come on, say that with me. The glory of the Lord has risen on me. The glory of the Lord is on your life. You have been created to shine. You are God's masterpiece. You are the greatest display of his glory. You are the greatest display of his resurrection glory. Think about that. And, and the, all of the, the wonderfulness of Christ's resurrection, your life is a testimony of the resurrection power of Christ. We see in Christ the, the, the beauty, the face, the radiance, the Bible says, of the Father. But in your life, there is a testimony. 
in your life, there's a testimony of that resurrection life that is, that is just as powerful as the resurrection itself. If Christ was raised from the dead and no one else was affected by it, then his resurrection was pointless. But his resurrection is not pointless. It wasn't in vain. His resurrection was for you. His resurrection was for me. It's because of his resurrected life, I have the life and the light of the gospel operating in my life. And so you have a light. You've been created to shine. You haven't been created to hide in the corner, under a bush, or under the bed. You know, as little kids, you, you get scared of, the, of the, the monsters in the closet. You go hide under your bed. You were not created to be scared of the wee little devils running around and people that are going to tell you all the things you, you couldn't, shouldn't, wouldn't do. You have been created to get out and shine your light. Amen. So let it shine. I want to dive into Matthew chapter 6 today in verse 33. It's a very uh, well-known passage of Scripture. But to t the title of today's message is Craving Spiritual Things. How many of you have ever had a craving before, had a hankering for something? Now, I, I, uh, I heard somebody say barbecue. I heard that. I believe that. I received that. Hallelujah. Woo! I felt that. Hallelujah. <laughs> my wife, when she was pregnant with Zoe, had some cravings. She had some hankerings. It was she had this she had this craving for for tomato, cucumber, feta, and lemon oil salad that we could we could not keep tomatoes and cucumbers in the house. I I feel like the the grocery store Win Dixie down the road. That was our grocery store. Win Dixie down the road was was tired of us buying up all of their cucumbers and tomatoes because we I, that was her meal. It was her go to. How many of you know when a when a pregnant mama has a craving, there is nothing standing in her way. Right, Darius? You better be getting to the store, dear. <laughs> you better be getting yourself on down to McDonald's and get yourself a double cheeseburger or whatever it is, because she's going to get it. She wants mac and cheese. <laughs> you better get what you need, because you're going to have a hankering, and she's going to tear off somebody's eyelids if you don't get her what she needs. You know what I'm talking about. You're laughing because you've been there. You know exactly what I'm talking about. All you women in the house said amen, right? <laughs> Kingdom living changes our cravings, if you will. Kingdom living changes, changes what we crave. So if we're going to live in the kingdom, our priorities have to change. Kingdom living requires the change in our priorities, and the proper priorities determine our capacity for God and His riches. When we adjust our priorities, when our priorities begin to change in the kingdom life, it determines our capacity for what we can hold or contain of God. Let me talk about this. In Matthew chapter 6, I'm, I'm going to go to verse 33, but before I do that, I'm going to start in verse 31. and says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? In other words, don't get caught up. Don't let your priorities be what I'm going to eat, drink, wear, live, go. All of the details of this life. Don't worry about the details of this life. Don't, don't get caught up in the anxieties of this world. But it says, this is what the Gentiles seek after. This is what, in other words, this is what the ungodly go after. 
This is what the ungodly go after. They go after the things of this world, the successes of this life, and the, the, the tangibles of this life. But Jesus is saying to them, don't get caught up in that. Don't worry about that. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Isn't that good to know? He doesn't, he doesn't negate the fact that we need a house and clothes and things to take care of our daily needs. He doesn't forget those. Matter of fact, he knows that we need those. He knows that you need a house. He knows that you need shoes on your feet. He knows that you need a car. So if, if our Father knows that you have need of those things, don't you think he's going to take care of those things? Amen. Actually, he says that. Here is the priority. Here's the priority in verse 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Verse 34 says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So our focus is not what we're going to wear and how we're going to take care of our daily needs. Our focus, Jesus said, your father knows that you have need of those things. Matter of fact, earlier in the passage, he says, look at the flowers of the field. Look at the beauty and the flowers. Of, and, and none of them worry about what they're clothed with. Have you ever noticed a flower opening up to the sun and, and put your ear real close to it and you hear it whining and complaining about how it's going to look to that day? If you take a mirror and you hold it up next to the flower, you don't hear the flower complain, well, I look fat and horrible and ugly today. Did you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Does it do that? The flower opens up to the sun and displays its beauty because the Father created it to be beautiful. The Father has created you to shine, to radiate His beauty. Not to get caught up in the worries and the anxieties of what house am I going to live in and what couch am I going to buy and what clothes am I going to put on today and what shoes and what car and all these things. The Father is going to take care of it. But he says our priority ought to be seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When our priority becomes seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, our capacity for God and his riches is determined by that priority. If you have a high priority on seeking God and his righteousness, you have a larger capacity for the blessings of the Lord. When, when if, you're, if your priority is minimal and you're constantly searching after things of this world, isn't it interesting how quickly those things fade? When that becomes our focus, when the things of this world become our focus, the riches of those things quickly fade. But when we seek his righteousness, when we seek his kingdom, all of the things that he blesses us with are the devourer. The Bible says in Malachi, the devourer is rebuked. Think on these things, Selah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Think about that. Think about how the riches of God in your life endure when you sought them, when you sought Him and He blessed you, rather than you sought the work or the blessing and you got it, and somehow God, you brought God into the mix later after the fact. Anyway, that's, that's a freebie. I, I won't continue on that. Now, 
This is an interesting statement that Jesus makes. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Why is it interesting? Number one, it's interesting to me because God is omnipresent. And so he's saying, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom or seek after his presence. If, if God is omnipresent, then why would we have to seek? He's always with us, right? In Psalm, excuse me, in Psalms 139, it says, where can I go from your spirit or where can I go from your presence? He's always with us. Where can I go? And yet he tells us, he instructs us to seek after him. He tells us in Matthew 28 that he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He said, behold, I'm with you until the end of the age. And yet he still tells us in Matthew 6 to seek after him. In the Old Testament, the word for presence is the word face. Matter of fact, if you go all the way back into the, the Old Testament temple, there was the bread of the showbread, the table of showbread, which in the Hebrew language means the bread of his face. So when we're talking about the presence of the Lord in scriptural context, we're talking about his face. We're talking about seeking after his face. Last week, we talked about that in his face, in the radiance of his face, we see the glory of the Father. So we're seeking after his presence or we're seeking after his face. Back to the table of showbread, it was the bread of faces or the bread of his presence. It was interpreted to be the bread of his presence. That's why when Jesus came, he said, I am the bread of life. He was telling his hearers that bread that you're familiar with in the temple, that the light, by the way, the light of the candelabra was always to shine on the bread of his presence. It was symbolic of his light was always radiating. The light of the Father was always radiating on the bread of his Son. And Jesus Jesus said, I am the bread of life that's come down from the Father. I'm better than the manna that your forefathers ate in the wilderness. I'm better than that showbread. I am the bread of life. So when we talk about seeking after God, we're talking about craving spiritual things. We're talking about craving his presence. In Matthew 6.33, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That word first means our chief aim, our priority, our chief aim in life is to seek after, to crave after the presence of the Lord. To have a, have a spiritual craving for the things of God, not for clothes and success and all these earthly things that will fade away. Do we need those things? Absolutely. Will the Father take care of those things? Absolutely. But our priority is on the presence of the Lord. The first thing I want to take a look here in Matthew 6.33, there's a promise for seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness. There's promises throughout scripture for you and I as we seek first the presence of the Lord. In Jeremiah 29.11, we're very familiar with that passage of scripture. But the verses that come after are really important too. This is what it says. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. If you keep reading in that passage, God is talking about delivering his people from bondage. So in your bondage, 
in your shortcoming, in your failure, seek after his presence and he brings freedom to your life. The things in your life that you can't seem to get over, the obstacles, the bondages, the issues, seek after God and his presence and he brings freedom as you seek after him. He will show himself to you. Do you know that God's waiting to reveal himself to you right now? Right now in this moment, he's waiting through the preaching of the word to reveal himself to you in a deeper way. Amen. Seek after him. In Luke chapter 11, it tells us that and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. So there's another promise that if we seek after God's presence, we will receive. He's not trying to play hide and go seek and keep himself from you. He wants to reveal himself. So here's another promise. We continue, it says, for everyone who asks receives, and the one seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you If his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He wants to freely give. God is looking to give his presence. Are you looking to find him? God is always looking to give. Are you looking to find Are you searching after him? Now, this is an interesting scripture because if you think back, Jesus with the little boy, the five loaves and the the three fish, here he's to the two fish. Here you've got this fish. They were hungry and Jesus didn't turn them away. He said, you feed them. And he multiplied the little boy's lunch. So if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will the father in heaven So we have to seek after him, and he promises to give freely of himself. In Amos chapter 5 and verse 4, For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. There's spiritual life in God. As you seek after him, there's life. There's abundant life. He blesses our life with himself, and he gives us his abundant life. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and life more abundantly. Do you want to live an abundant life? I don't think there's anyone in this room that would say, sign me up for the bad life. Sign me up for the depressing life. Sign me up for the discouraged life. Sign me up for the broken life. That's the life I want to live. But when we turn from seeking God, we turn and we begin to seek after the things of the world. And and here Jesus is saying, stop seeking after the, the things of this life. Your Father knows you need those. Seek after me, and all those other things will be taken care of. Do you have need for a home? Do you have need for a car? Do you need God to intervene in your family, your job situation? Whatever it is, seek first the kingdom of God. Now listen, this isn't the magic genie in the bottle, and you know, God said, rub the bottle, and then I'll get whatever I need. Right? Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. But that's how we, that's how we approach it. Lord, you said, so I'm, a, I'm, I'm doing my formula, so why isn't it working? 
When you're seeking a formula, are you seeking after the kingdom? Or are you still seeking after your own desires? Just a question. Because when you want to plug and play the formula, you're still wanting what you want for why you want it. But when you abandon the passions of this life and say, God, you know what? Thank you for your blessings, but you are more important than the blessing. The blesser is more important. The father of lights is more important than the the lights that are coming down, the gifts that he's bestowed. I want you. Then all of a sudden your heart starts to change and your lifestyle starts to change. And then you find yourself just going through life and the very things that you have need of just start getting taken care of. One by one. You know, he wants to bless you. He's looking to bless you. So if you will just abandon your earthly passions all of a sudden and and, and turn your passion towards him, you'll find that he fulfills it all. I can't tell you how many times. You know, let me let me just just example. Can I give you an example? So so some I, I know some of you are jealous of my new Jeep that's sitting outside. Let me just give you an example. Don't be jealous. I didn't I just this is I'm just talking. I seek after God and he takes care of things. I've I've wanted a a Jeep Wrangler for for a long time. They're just they're cool cars. Everybody said amen. They're just awesome. And I just thought, Lord, you know, that's great. I wasn't seeking after a Jeep though. I wasn't going around, I need to buy a Jeep. I didn't have a picture of a Jeep on my refrigerator saying, someday the Lord's going to bless me with a Jeep. I just, he knew the desire of my heart. I was going through Facebook one day. I was just going through, thumbing through Facebook. And this Jeep pops up on my Facebook feed. And I thought, oh, that's a really nice Jeep. Had no idea. Well, that's really nice. He said, you want it? Well, yeah, you know I do. (laughs) He said, you can have it. He said, you can have it. I said, okay, okay, okay. Okay, Jesus, yeah, Lord, come on, hallelujah. So I thought, well, I'll go to the dealership, and I'll just try this out. So so I went down to the dealership, and I, I, so I told her, and they, I called, said, hey, I'm coming. You know, take a look. So they had it out ready for me. I said, if it works, great. If it doesn't, I, no sweat off my back. Like, I, it's a blessing. I'm going to receive it if the Lord wants to give it to me. And if he don't, he don't. I'm good. So we started, and it worked out. And I said, thank you, Lord. I love my Jeep. Thank you, Jesus, for that Jeep. But the Jeep don't control me. The Jeep doesn't possess me. I don't have to have a Jeep to feel successful. I don't have to have a new car to feel accomplished. Come on now, somebody. That Jeep gets me around so I can do ministry. That Jeep gets me around so I can do what God's called me to do. I use the Jeep, but it doesn't use me. Do you hear what I'm saying? I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. He takes care of it. He takes care of it. We, some of you have heard the story. We, I, I like shiny things, too. So... I'm just trying to help you. Some of you here are you come you're coming at this scripture with a carnal mind. So I want you to I want you to see the connection. I like diamonds. So we were we were at the store. I like diamonds. I we were at the store. Anybody like diamonds? I like diamonds. We were at the store. I don't have it on, but I like diamonds. Anybody like diamonds? 
We were, I heard that. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor's preaching today. (laughs) And I saw, I saw this. It was what? $5,000 men's diamond ring. I mean, it was shiny. It was, it was shiny. I have it. Some of you have seen it. And I thought, man, that's nice. The Lord said, you want it? I said, I do. It's nice. (laughs) Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I do. He said, I just want to bless you. I said, okay, I'll take it. (laughs) I just want to bless you. I said, but that's a $5,000 ring. And I don't have an extra $5,000. Just later on, I'm going to buy a ring. How many of you been there? So, so the lady said, should we, we get it? She gives us a discounted price, whatever. She gives a really discounted price, really discounted, really discounted price. She gives it the, and I'm like, oh, that's tempting, but that's still a lot of money. So she comes back, she does her, whatever she does. And she says, I'll give it to you for, I think it was like $1,000 or $1,200. And I, I thought, okay, for a $5,000 ring, that's not bad. That's a pretty good discount. So I'm like, let's talk. So we're, we're talking. I think we bought it somewhere around the $1,000 mark, whatever. I go back. They said, there's a friends and family deal. You just need to watch out. You can buy this today. Come back next week. There's a friends and family deal. And I'll give you the discount of that friends and family off of that. So I go back. I got that ring for $400. <laughs> a $5,000 ring for 400 bucks. That's a deal. I wasn't going around saying, Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. Would you take, I need a new ring, Lord. God, I need a new car. I need, oh God, I need. (laughs) Seek first the kingdom of God. I'm good if I get it or I don't. It's not, I don't have to have a new ring. I don't have to have a new car. But if he taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, I want to bless you because you're my son and I just want to take care of you today. Okay, Jesus, let's do it. You got it. In him is life. I don't have to worry about my earthly needs. I don't have to worry whether or not he's going to take care of me. When God said, hey, you're going to move from New Orleans all the way to uh, Akron, Ohio. You're going to go from one side of the country to the other. You're going to, oh, dear Jesus. (laughs) And I thought. Oh, Lord, it's cold. And I did. I had, I had five things. I said, Lord, if you're going to move us, there are five things. And I listed them out. God, here are five things you're going to have to take care of if this is going to happen. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. That, night, that, that week, the very week, I had a dream every night. And I'm not, I'm not a dreamer. I'm not one. And if I have dreams, I definitely don't remember them. But I, I even remember these dreams to this day because there were five things that I had presented to the Lord. And every night of that week, the Lord spoke to me through a dream. I didn't visually see, but I was in a, in, in a bright light space. It was like I was standing in the light of God, and he spoke audibly to me in those dreams and told me exactly what he was going to do with every single one of those things. Each night, he took a different thing that I had presented and addressed it in my dreams. And the final dream was a visual dream of the house that we moved into when we moved here. So when we moved into that house, we got to that house. It was the house we were renting in the falls. We got to the house and the the landlord 
looked at, there was someone ahead of us. They were filling out the application ahead of us. And y'all know houses around here go quick. And so we were filling it out. It was in the middle of summer. We were filling it out. So we need, we're ready. We're going to do it. And he's taking us through the house. And he said, well, we've already got somebody, you know, they've got an application in. He said, what y'all doing anyway? And, and he said it more northern than what I just said. And he was an Italian. So he said it more Italian northern than what I just said. <laughs> but... <laughs> uh, we said we we're pastors and we just accepted a position. We're moving here. And he said, done deal. The house is yours. I'll, I'll forget the other people that are applying. It's yours. I said, we'll have you a deposit today. We'll get it taken care of. And, and we did. And the Lord gave us that house. It was the house we moved into. And as soon as we walked in, I knew this, God's got it. I don't care what those other people are doing. God's, God's already gone ahead of us and made a way for us. And he did. I don't, yeah, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and here we are. So the Lord will take care of all of your needs. The Bible says, according to his riches and his glory. The second thing, when we seek after God or crave after him, we do it with humility and faith. Hebrews eleven six tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please God, that those who draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those. Do you hear that? He rewards those who seek after him. What's the reward? He is. He's the reward and everything else is lanyap. That's a New Orleans, that's extra. Everything else is extra. Everything else is just an added blessing, but he's the reward. Psalm 69, 32 tells us that the humble will see God. So as we humble ourselves and we seek after him in faith, he will be found and he will reward us with himself. Now Psalms 10, chapter 10, verse 4 says something really interesting. Remember we were talking about the bread of his face or the bread of his presence. That when we talk about the the face of God, we're talking about the presence of God, or talking about the presence, we're talking about his face, the bread of his face. Here's what Psalms 10 verse 4 says. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. So the prideful exchange the face of God for their own prideful face. Jeremiah talks about this, that the wicked exchanges the fountain of living waters, the presence of the Lord, for broken cisterns that do not satisfy. And so the pride, the prideful man, the prideful woman, the pride of our heart says, I've got it, I'm good, and we seek the pride of our face, our own happiness, our own success. But the humble seek after God. The humble seek after him by faith, and God rewards us with himself. And thirdly, seeking after God means that we must make him our chief aim. Seeking after God, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness means that we seek him as our chief aim, our chief priority. I want to Read a quick story from Matthew chapter 13 that I'm sure you're very familiar with. It says the kingdom of heaven. Again, kingdom of heaven. God's telling us something about living a kingdom life. He says it's like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding the pearl 
of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. What a story that Jesus is telling us here about the value of his presence. It's like a man who went and sold. He found a, he, who knows how many times this man had gone across this field. It wasn't his field, it was somebody else's field, but every day he just went across the field. But one day was different than the other days. Time in and time out, you come into church, you hear the word preached, you sing the songs, you walk out. You may open your Bible, you may pray a prayer at home, and day in and day out. But sometime, at some point, reality kicks in, and you're like, oh, there's value here in the presence of the Lord. There's value here in his house. There's value in his word and who he says. And you go, and the Bible says that this man sold all that he had. His earthly possessions didn't matter compared to the treasure that was in that field. All of the things that he could obtain in this life didn't matter anymore because of what he found in the field. Just buried below, just beneath the surface. If you could just brush away a little bit of the dirt this morning and dig into what God's trying to say to you this morning. There's something worth selling all for. There's something worth giving everything you have for. It's his presence, his presence, his presence. Does anybody hear me this morning? It's worth selling all for his presence, giving up everything. And then he likened it to the person who sold all that they had to find the pearl of great price, of great value. You know, pearls are pretty, pearls are pretty pricey, especially the higher quality of pearls that you get. You could, you could spend a lot of money on pearls. And here's the story. Jesus is saying they sold all that they had for something so small, so tiny. You know, we look at a pearl. Zoe, this weekend, while we were in, every time I go to China, you can get really nice, beautiful pearls, relatively inexpensive. And so while I'm there, I, I got her some, some pearls. And so she was at a party this weekend and wore, wore her pearl necklace. And she loves her, you know, Daddy, I got my pearl. You see it, Dad? I got my pearl necklace on. And she was wearing those pearls. And just little tiny little pearls, right? Selling all. Can you imagine selling all that you have for one tiny pearl? But that's the value. That is the value of his presence. What seems insignificant to others, what looks like a little tiny pearl to others, to you and I, is worth all. That we could give for it. People say, well, why are you always in church? And, and I, don't, I don't find that a complaint. I find that a blessing. Because there's, there's something about being in his presence with other believers. I, I love being in the house of the Lord. Because there's value. on. I'll give everything that I have to be in the house of the Lord. To be in his presence together with other believers. Rearrange my schedule. Rearrange my family. Do what you got to do. Because I got to be in the house of the Lord with other believers. There's value on that. There's value in his presence. David said, Lord, search my heart. Know all of my wicked ways. But he said in his crying out, in his repentance, he said, this one thing, you can have it all, but don't take your presence from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. In Psalms 27, verse 4, wrap up with the scripture. The worship team, y'all can come back. In Psalms 27, verse 4, it says, one thing. 
One thing, one thing, one thing I have desired. One thing I've asked the Lord for. I didn't ask him for another house or another success or another, another business deal or another anything else. He knows I have needs of those, and, and I can ask, I can bring those, but, but that's not my primary focus, David's saying. One thing I've asked for. It's the priority, it's the chief end of my life. I'll seek after that. What is it? That I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That I might gaze upon His beauty. That I might inquire in His temple. You can have it all, Lord, but don't take your presence. Put me as a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, but just let me be in your presence. You know, David, in Psalms 27, he's not talking about Solomon's temple. He's not talking some grand, beautiful temple. He's talking about a tent. He's talking about a tent that had been housing the Ark of the Covenant the presence of the Lord. He was talking about a tent where singers would gather around the ark 24-7 and sing and pray and worship. David made the commitment that in Jerusalem that the, the presence of the Lord would be housed there and that it would be a place of perpetual worship and prayer. And that's what, that's what they were doing. And that's what David was talking about. One thing, I just, I want to dwell wherever I am, wherever life will take me, I just want to be in your presence, Lord. So when we talk about seeking after God, is God omnipresent? Yeah. Has he promised to never leave you or forsake you? Yeah. But what is the, what is the focus of your life? Jesus isn't saying he's not present with you in every moment. He is. He's closer than the air you breathe. What he's addressing is the attitude of your heart. What are you seeking after? Because although he might be closer than the air you breathe, you could be missing him while he's standing right in front of your face. You, he could be standing right now, right beside you, right in front of your face, and he is, and you could miss it. Because your heart hasn't been turned to seek. But when your life turns to seek after him, whether you're in the good times or the bad times, whether you have the house or you don't, whether you have the car or you don't, whether you have the blessing, the extra, or you don't, your heart is still set on seeking Him. And you recognize He is the reward. He is the blessing. He is the goodness. Whether I have all that other stuff taken care of or not, I know He's going to take care of it because that's His promise. But whether he does it how I want him to, when I want him to, the way I want him to, doesn't really matter. Why? Because I have him. 